You know, it could be a very sterile world. The yeah. healthcare environment, really using their um, name, you know, talking to them like a person, offering suggestions on things that they can do, really helping them through the experience and recognizing that when you come into the doctor's office, if you are ill, mm -hmm. you already have all that coming in with you. And then how you treat them in response to that will be whether they continue to come back. Welcome back to The Break Room, Episode 7. I'm your host, Alexis Murray, and thank you for listening in. Today's episode is on healthcare's consumer revolution. The move into the digital age has reshaped the consumer world. Instead of waiting for a taxi, we can call an Uber or Lyft. Instead of running out to go get food, we can call a food delivery service like Postmates. These consumer-based digital companies are changing the way we live, and the proof is in the money. Google Ventures invested $258 million into Uber in 2013, and the mobile order ahead apps are projected to be a $38 billion industry by 2020. Thankfully, the digital information age has given us the access to learn more about businesses as consumers, and on the other end, allowed businesses to create better customer service. Companies like Postmates and Uber are rated by its customers and understand their success lies in the hands of consumers reviewing their services. Healthcare is no exception here. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield in Utah surveyed 13,000 users and found that 28% changed providers based on cost information and quality data made available online. As healthcare's consumer revolution continues, how can independent practices remain competitive? But first, are you frustrated by patient no-shows? Wasted time is the last thing needed for a busy practice, and patient no-shows can be a hard and frustrating problem to tackle. We understand this, so we've done the research for you. Download our white paper on how independent practices can reduce their no-show rates. Check out this resource at go.privyhealth.com slash whitepaper. Again, that is go.privyhealth.com slash whitepaper. Back to the show. So we're talking about healthcare's consumer revolution and how the power is shifting to patients. Forbes just recently released an article on the importance of leading with customer experience in healthcare and how in many cases, it's the deciding factor for where patients decide to receive care. I wanted to bring in our expert on customer service. So today we're joined by Terry Culp, Senior Manager of Customer Service here at Privia to talk about A-plus customer service. Thank you for joining, Terry. Oh, thank you for having me. So Tara, you've been working in customer experience for over 18 years, and you have a passion for ensuring that excellence in customer service is achieved. You joined Privia in September of 2014, um, and you present customer service training to all Privia new hires, sharing techniques on how to achieve excellence in service in seven steps. So we've kind of talked about how the healthcare industry is clearly moving into consumerism based on your expertise. Are providers actually adapting to the idea of consumer versus patient? And if not, what should they be doing to adapt to it? I think, you know, as patients become more and more involved in their own care experience, that there does need to be that focus by providers. And I think there um, are some doctors that are doing really well at, at achieving that. But I think there's a lot of opportunity still that can be done that can really help to create that environment. You know, as patients, they want to shop around for the best care. They're paying a lot for right. their insurance. Right. And so they really want to shop around and find where are they going to have 
have a physician that meets their emotional needs as well as their physical needs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where there's probably the biggest area of opportunity is meeting that emotional need. And we um, see industries like the food and retail industry, they have always relied heavily on consumerism for success. Um, consumer experience really is their bread and butter. So what do other industries like the food and retail industry do well that healthcare providers can actually learn from? So they really play on that emotional need. So mm -hmm. when you think about advertising, you know, they're showing, you know, families or how this product benefits right. you and, and, and really get involved in that whole emotional part of the experience. And, you know, right now, I think that um, there's lots of opportunity for us to do the same for our patients, you know, how... Um, we present ourselves to them right from the get-go, from that very first phone call. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to start that whole experience and how they feel about the practice. And then it just continues from there, you know, from the moment that they walk into the office, do they feel warm and welcoming and is that compassion shown to them? And um, I think, you know, that's where the food and um, clothing industry, they, they really have that well. And I think that we have some really great opportunity to really go there with, with our providers as well. So your team works with a lot of Privia patients each day. You sort of talked about the emotional connection that patients have with their providers. Um, and you are, your team gets a lot of feedback each day about this topic, about billing, about communication. You guys are hearing um, the full gamut. What negative feedback does your team receive the most? What are patients really sharing with you? Probably at the top three are wait times. Surprising. Um, <laughs> the rudeness of staff. Mm -hmm. And then um, the inability to get either through on the phone or to get an appointment. Mm -hmm. So it's really that accessibility mm -hmm. and then the experience once they're there. So when these practices are clearly having some issues with communicating with their patients or sort of making them feel welcome, what can they do to improve on it? How can they really establish a relationship with their patient that isn't transactional, that feels more personal, somebody that's going to come to this business for years and years to come? I think, you know, focusing in on empathy, really, um, you know, understanding the needs of the patient and then trying to meet those needs. So things such like as communicating as far as like how long is the wait going to be, right? Um, the front desk staff should be very much aware of what's going on in the back end of the business so that they can then communicate with the patient as they come in the door and immediately offer them some kind of a, a idea of what times they're going to be expected to be waiting and then what can they do in exchange for that so maybe they can reschedule the appointment or you know really just adjust what their decision is based on the information that they receive mm -hmm. um, you know and then once they're in the back making sure that they don't feel left behind that somebody has forgotten them mm -hmm. right um, and, and letting them know we're running a little bit late you know we'll be with you right away um, I think we've all had that experience where you're sitting in that little back room and, and like, does anybody know I'm here? You know, <laughs> did they move on to the next person? So yeah. really like keeping that communication open. Mm -hmm. um, but things like welcome packets when, you know, you have a new patient start with you, what to expect, always setting expectations. So, um, you know, making sure that they know about connections with 
companies like us, that they know that there is this association and that they don't get something from Privia and go, who is Privia? Why am I getting this, right? right? right. Um, you know, making them aware of um, what are the phone numbers that they can dial and, and when should they dial those mm -hmm. phone numbers. Um, but I think we also have to really focus in on accessibility, right? We can shop everywhere. We have so many choices now mm -hmm. as patients. We have urgent care. We have, you know, all these different places that we can go. Mm -hmm. um, so where is the physician going to be um, available to me at the times that I need them? Right. And then once you do have them there, recognizing that their time is just as important mm -hmm. and making sure that, you know, if we're going to make appointments that we try to adhere to them, of course, there's going to be times when we can't do that. Um, but, you know, trying to be respectful of the patient's time as well. Um, so better hours, you know, being open at times that the patients need them, um, being available on the phones so that when they do try to get through on the phone, someone's picking it up. And the person that does pick it up is personable, mm -hmm. right? Shows compassion, shows empathy, mm -hmm. um, doesn't rush through that whole, you know, conversation. Um, you know, it could be a very sterile world, the yeah. healthcare environment. Yeah. So, you know, really using their um, name, you know, talking to them like a person, offering suggestions on things that they can do, um, really helping them through the experience and recognizing that when you come into the doctor's office, if you are ill, you know, you already have all that coming in with you. And then, you know, how you treat them in response to that will mm -hmm. be whether they continue to come back. So many times when I talk to patients and they're upset, they love their doctor. And they don't want to give up on the doctor, but the experience they had at the front desk or, you know, on, over the phone is what's turning them off. Um, and so it's recognizing as a provider that you need to really focus on your staff mm -hmm. and, and understand what are they doing because they're impacting your business, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think that that's where we really can focus on the communication part. It's mm -hmm. really just being there for the patient and making sure we have accessibility and setting expectations. So we've, we've talked about the best ways for practices to really display A-plus customer service. Now that they have those tips, what can they do to collect feedback from patients? So they can actually see, is this working? What do we need to improve on? Um, and what can we really learn from our customers? I think, you know, using after appointment surveys is a really great way to get feedback on the experience. Mm -hmm. um, so they definitely want to start to look at that. But also there's so many reviews out there now on the Internet, like um, using, you know, like we have binary fountain here mm -hmm. at Privia. So we're going through all that social media and identifying what are the positive things that are coming out of your office, but what are the things you really can focus on, mm -hmm. right? And and see some movement and move the dial on better um, service. And so I think they need to be aware of those resources that are out there available yeah. to them so they can start respond to, to what are their patients mm -hmm. thinking about the service that's being there. So how do you see consumerism developing and where do you see customer service field moving uh, to in the future? What What is on the horizon for customer service, particularly in healthcare? As patients become more and more engaged in their own care, they're going to be looking for what they need. And so, you know, the service that we're providing is going to be really important. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, for physicians, they're going to need to find ways to meet those needs. Um, you know, utilize um, whatever resources they can, like Privia, you know, a, a 
company such as us who's providing that customer service um, about the bills so that they can take that pressure off of their office staff and let them focus more on the care of the patient, right? Um, utilizing patient portal um, you know, applications or telehealth applications so that um, they're meeting the needs in a different way. You know, maybe it's not an office visit. Maybe you telehealth with a patient and meet them where they have the, the availability, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's making sure that the hours that you're offering are where your patients need you to be and that you have the appropriate staff and doing training of your staff. I think that's super important. Um, right now here at Privia, I'm trying to develop some modules that I think will help office staff. Um, we'll provide those to um, those providers that are interested in them, have their staff actually take those um, you know, modules, take the quizzes afterwards, make sure there's retention and understanding. And then maybe we can go back and look at their scores in their binary fountain and say, hey, did we see, see improvement in mm -hmm. um, how that office is performing and start to measure success? But I think, um, you know, utilizing what's available to them, especially companies such as Previa, that can help them and support them in achieving all these different objectives. Feedback is obviously very important and patients are starting to share a lot of feedback on practices and providers through online review sites. And fellow patients are listening. 84% of patients consult review sites to evaluate physicians and 77% of patients use online reviews as the first step in finding a new doctor. Stephen Pachone, Digital Marketing Manager here at Privia Health is here to talk with us about patient feedback and online reputation management 101. Stephen brings more than seven years of digital strategy and production workflow to Privia Health, where he works with marketing operations, engineers, developers, internal consulting teams, and key company stakeholders to build out reporting structures, develop advertising campaigns, and manage Privia's communications online. So first, talk with us about what is online reputation management? What do we need to know about this term? Online reputation management. Okay, so in short, it is the process of crafting and implementing strategies online to influence public perception about your brand, your company, your organization. So what websites are patients using to give all this feedback on their physicians and their practices? Um, and is there a way that these practices can actually engage and respond to those patients who are leaving feedback? Yes. So this is a changing landscape. If you if you take a step back and you think about review sites and where they've been and where they're going, TripAdvisor changed the way that we travel. Yelp has changed the way that we choose restaurants. And so it, it makes sense as a function of time that healthcare is going to be next. Um, the main sites right now in terms of market share are health grades, vitals, and Google. But you also have traditionally non-healthcare specific sites like Yelp carving out their share of the market for these reviews because there's a lot of activity online and there's a lot to gain by being um, a review site with a lot of volume. So you're talking about managing all these online reviews for independent practices um, here at Privia Health. So that's spanning across Maryland, Texas, Virginia, Georgia, and DC. So based on what you're seeing from all these interactions with patients, what are they writing about? What, are, what is their top concern? What do they tend to sort of um, share negative feedback? Yeah, so when I, when I first started getting like pretty deep into this process, 
Um, my gut instinct was that a lot of this being that it's healthcare would be about money. Um, if you see New York Times or Politico, really any media outlet, headlines revolving around healthcare tend to always be about legislation and money, insurance, and premiums. Going through our data, and we, we gather about 20 to 30 reviews per day, it's 66% communication. And specifically communication with the physician, not with the office staff, that's actually the 20% of that and 10% is cut up between other types of categories. Um, it is against what most people think it's going to be about. It's, it's the person-to-person -person interaction, um, which when I look at that, and I've been looking at this for you know over a year now, is, is emphasizing the fact that no matter how we want to slice it, healthcare is local, and that when you go to your primary care uh, provider, you're going, your takeaway is going to be based on your human interaction, whether it's going to be with the provider or with the person at the front desk. But just for those doctors, um, you know, independent doctors who clearly aren't privy doctors, but still want to better understand how to handle a negative review, it can be tough to receive feedback that way, particularly when, you know, most of the times they're anonymous. Most of the times you don't know exactly who's giving you this review and you can't obviously respond, you know, face to face in the moment. So based on your experience, what do you recommend for practices um, who are criticized online and what is the best way for them to respond if they should respond at all? You know, what's kind of the best way to handle that situation? Yeah, so this is a really good question. The first reaction should be to take a pause and a deep breath. It's not the end of the world. It's uh, not a bad thing to get a bad review. You know, one point doesn't make a trend. And so when you do receive a negative review, take a break and say, um, okay, what is this actually saying to me? When you finally get back to it, um, there are a few things you should do. First is to be sensitive about it um, when we're speaking about responding. Now, someone who, and we have to say is an alleged patient, not a confirmed patient, given that it's the internet and it's still in many ways the Wild West, um, we can't confirm that anyone is truly a patient of a provider on online. Um, and so what you need to do is first respect HIPAA policies. And even if a, an alleged patient reveals everything that he or she um, wants to in, in, in their health, um, the responder cannot say, um, you know, or you know, disagree like, no, actually your blood pressure was this, can't do it. So that's, that's one way to keep yourself in check and say, okay, actually, um, I'm not going to go to bat for this one. I'm going to try to understand this review. And so let's take an example of review. Um, I'm making this up, which is um, front desk uh, was was rude. It, you know, whatever that means in that context. Uh, really, the first thing you should do is thank them. Say, thank you for letting us know about your experience. We're sorry to hear that you feel this way. And then the third thing you should do is offer, offer a line of communication. Say, mm -hmm call us at this number, email us at this email address. We would love to talk to you because one way to look at a negative review is, is an attack on your profession. It's an attack on your reputation and it's an attack on you as a person. Um, but if you, if you look at it from another lens, which is, is what, you know, it's, it's what I, I do with our consulting teams, um, to take criticism, even if it's harsh, um, as a way to identify actionable steps. If someone's being perceived as rude, but not really being rude, that's a starting off point to have a conversation about, you know, we've we've gotten a fair amount of reviews about the way that this is happening in our office. 
let's let's talk about this and see which ways we can improve because at the end of the day it in in small independent practices the ones that we work with here at Privia the the owner tends to be the doctor and they're not everywhere at all at all times so this is this is you know your ear to the ground and you know having eyes everywhere in the office when really you know you're physically you know uh, doing procedures mm-hmm. so it, it can be a benefit um, it's not it's not always a bad thing and to to look at negative views in in another way um, Yelp has a study out there that people actually distrust pages and people online they that have purely yeah. positive um, uh, uh, reviews and you know that's everything it's brand transparency like nothing's perfect out there and if you have 30 reviews and they're all five stars we have a problem so when we're talking about these practices we've sort of talked about alleged patients because Mm -hmm. obviously you can't confirm but if you can confirm that this person is not a patient or Mm -hmm. this person is not sort of a customer of your business which certain businesses have been able to do on yelp they can um, sort of try to contest some reviews that they feel is that, that they feel are not genuine. What can a practice do when they they find a review that is clearly not from a patient of theirs? So, getting reviews removed off platforms like Yelp and Google and HealthGrades, it's difficult. The odds are stacked against you mm-hmm. uh, if you're the recipient of a negative review. Now, every review site has user policies um, and guidelines mm-hmm. that when you have an account and you, uh, which, which you'll need to, to leave a review on any, on any page, um, you have to agree to these terms and conditions. Now, they, they're all different. Um, you know, Vitals, uh, U.com, or you compare Healthcare, WebMD, but they, they pretty much all have some same things in common, which is um, any inappropriate content. So that could be you know, hate speech or personal attacks, your chances of getting that removed go up. Um, any promotional content. So if if someone is completely irrelevant on your page and they're trying to sell something, that could likely not even make it through the gate. Um, you know, that falls in line with irrelevant as well. There's also the more elusive one, which is a conflict of interest. And so if I, I've seen this in the past where a former employee is heated and um, goes to the keyboard to vent his or her frustration, it's actually not uncommon for those types of things to not even make it public um, because all these review sites have algorithms that try to screen reviews um, based on how old that account is, how many reviews has that account left, because someone who's very heated is likely to is more likely to open up three different accounts and leave the same style of review on the same page at the same time. And so like these types of trends are, are identifiable uh, through an algorithm. Um, and so, and then actually the, the fifth one, um, you know, along with the relevant content and hate speech is uh, personal information. So there's also the phrase called doxing. That's when you uh, go online to reveal information about someone that they wouldn't want public, any personal identifiers. Um, that's another type of content that, that could get a, a review removed. Mm-hmm. And I say could, it, it's not guaranteed. But technically how you do it, uh, most sites... And I say most, not all, have either you know a flag icon or report this review. If they don't, you can contact their customer service. I know from experience that Vitals is much quicker responding to phone call, uh, responding to emails and phone calls. You can leave ten voicemails, and I have not received one response, but I receive email responses within a few hours, okay. and they've been very helpful. 
For those independent practices who are just trying to better understand online reputation management, they're starting to see reviews on their practice, they want to sort of be proactive about this process and not just sort of receive reviews and hope for the best. Can you close us out with your top three tips for online reputation management? Yes. Um, So the first one would be to define your goals. And what I mean by that is how do you want to be perceived online? Um, A sandwich shop will want to be perceived differently than a yoga studio, than a cardiologist. So really honing in on what is your voice, what type of tone you want to strike, it's how people are going to start perceiving you. Um, And then what action do you want people to take? Do you want people to review your services on your page or do you want people to review their experiences with you or how they felt while they were with you? They might all sound the same, but they're not. Um, People leave a wide variety of, of thoughts and feedback. And so getting a trend of of how of what you want to see on your page that best reflects your your product um, can really help what you garner in the future. The second would be to be patient. Just because you respond to one review online doesn't mean that your scores can improve or types of reviews you're going to receive are going to change. It's it's something that you need to make habitual, and over time it will it'll pay dividends. But it's something that you need to be patient with, and that also is. If, if you receive 10 reviews and, you know, there are a couple in there you just really want to respond to and you do, don't expect a response back. Um, there is a chance that someone will come back and update the review. Yelp claims that 33% of their um, reviews get updated after um, there's a response, but there's no guarantee. That also speaks to transparency as well because, um, you know, when you're patient and you work at this and it's, it's not the most fun thing to do, but it's worth it. Um, Yelp actually has some pretty cool, um, some, some studies about the relationship between revenue and, and star ratings. Then the third thing I would say is to view reviews, specifically negative reviews, as a source of strength rather than a weakness. Um, if you receive criticism, if it's completely um, uh, out of left field and not relevant and <laughs> is aggressive, of course, you need to take action to try to get that taken down. But... If it's valid and it it you don't like reading it, but it brings up a point that you should know, then take that advice and try to affect change with it. Um, that way, you can reduce that type of behavior in the future, and you know, improve essentially your perception online. Um, all of this, at the end of the day, ties to customers in the door, or patients, or um, you know, people trafficking your website. And so it, it's worth it. it. There's, It's hard to tie an exact dollar amount to any of this type of activity, but it, you know, there are countless studies out there that it, it, at the end of the day, it's worth it. Um, not only for your brand perception, but for your bottom line. Thank you to Terry and Steven for joining The Break Room to talk about healthcare's consumer revolution. Next month's episode will feature a healthcare wrap-up of 2017 and what to focus on in the coming year. You can subscribe to future episodes or check out past episodes at go.privyhealth.com slash The Break Room. You can also find The Break Room on iTunes, so please subscribe, rate this episode, and leave a review. Also, please make sure to check out our white paper on reducing patient no-shows at go.privyhealth.com slash white paper. If you have any questions or want to learn more about how we're putting physicians in the driver's seat, please contact the Privia team at 888-996-0232.